mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hi, welcome to Telling Everybody Everything. We've had a tremendous weekend at the O2. I did my own show, Catherine Ryan and Friends, featuring Ed Gamble, Carrie Godleyman, and Darren Harriet. Please check out their comedy if you don't know it already. I'm sure that you do. We got to do a really fun show at the Indigo that is a smaller room within the O2 complex, which if you live in London and if you've been there, you'll know it's got everything. I think you can walk on top of it. It's got the massive arena. It's got lots of restaurants and bars and super fun things to do. My show was in that room, which is still a very big room. But the next night, I did Graham Norton's gala show, which was in the actual O2 arena. And that is massive. That's where all your favorite pop stars do their shows. And that was hosted by the wonderful Graham Norton, with whom I had never worked with before. But also my friends, Joe Lysip was on the show. I love him. Phil Wang, Jade Adams, Bianca Del Rio, Sam Ryder, Danny Beard. Apologies if I'm leaving anyone out. I don't feel like I am. But it was a very queer lineup. And I suppose I was queer adjacent on that queer lineup. And there's no greater uh, humbling honor than being known as queer adjacent. And I could tell because I started talking about my life. I, um, I went on first. I started talking about Bobby. And I said, do we have any golfers in? Crickets. And I said, oh, yeah, everyone's gay. Big cheer. I didn't know London had that many gay people. So the queer community, you are loving life and thriving in London. I know a lot of people came from other cities, but you know what I mean? You fill at least an O2 arena on a Friday night. And that's not accounting for all the other events happening on Friday nights that people were at. So I had a great, 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 great queer night. I love Just for Laughs. They're an iconic festival to do in Canada. If you ever have the good fortune of being able to travel to Montreal in July, that's just going to be the most fun of your life. And they're branching out. Just for Laughs did it in London. And hopefully they sold enough tickets and everybody liked it enough and people are encouraged to come again next year because that's how a festival grows and grows and grows. So if you made it out to Just for Laughs, if you saw my show or someone else's show, well done. You have done a wonderful thing in supporting a Canadian festival. We kicked off Just for Laughs at the Canadian Embassy, and that was super fun because I'd only been there before to like renew my passport, but they have ballrooms, like gorgeous areas. Someone told me that the Canadian Embassy used to be a gentleman's club before all those gentlemen sadly died in the war. And it, I mean, strip clubs have really, I don't know what we're calling them now, exotic dancer houses. I don't mean to offend any exotic dancer by calling it a strip club, but they've really gone downhill. I mean, if the level was the Canadian embassy, if that used to be a gentleman's club and now it's like, you know, Barney's Crab Shack where like your waitress is also the stripper and like she'll refill your Diet Coke and then get back on stage and dance. That's not what these girls train for years in the ballet for. But it was an amazing night, and I knew there would be a lot of French people there. Just for laughs is francophone, 
And Bobby always tells me that I can't speak French. He's like, don't speak French. You can't speak French. He believes that I'm just making French noises, which is pretty insensitive if that's what I was doing. Just, oh, hello, monsieur. Thank you for being here. It's a wonderful to have you in the UK. That's not what I was doing. I was speaking French. And I'm so starved for French that every time I meet a French person, and it's usually a waiter, or, you know, I'm like, oh, vous parlez en français? Moi aussi, je parle en français. Ben, ça fait si longtemps. Je comprends beaucoup mieux que je parle. S'il vous plaît, est-ce que vous pouvez me parler pour que je peux pratiquer avec vous? And Bobby's like, stop making those racist noises. It's French. So, I mean, I filled my boots with French that night. I spoke to everyone in French. Everyone. And, I mean, Bobby's half right. I can't speak French that well, but they were impressed by the effort. L'effort maximum. And the next day, I was actually so... <laughs> I forgot about this. I was so, like, encouraged by my night of French that um, I was in the park with Fred. And I, like, it's tough for me to accept that. I just look like your everyday, run-of-the-mill, middle-aged white Karen when I'm out and about. I'm playing in the park, and uh, our local park is frequented by youths. There are drugs found there all the time. There was a fatal stabbing, unfortunately, quite recently. And um, teenagers just go and hang out there. Not that I blame all crime and all violence on teenagers. Uh, I believe that teenagers have a right to exist within their own communities, but there has been some vandalism that was proven to be enacted by teens, and there's some violence, whatever. So there are always teens hanging out. So there was teens hanging out on a bench playing their music really loudly, not even through their phone. They brought their own portable speaker to play this music, which I heard was French grime. I could hear, i see if I can find some of it for you now. This might not have been the exact song that they were playing, but they're playing this music. And I'm sure that like a lot of adults would say that it's too loud. I mean, that is such a long intro. As you can see, that's French music. What a fail. I could edit that out and find some actual French lyrics by uh, <laughs> Timon, but I've chosen not to. You know what? That's my life. There you go. Catherine tried to show us some French music, and it was like a five-minute instrumental intro. They're playing music like that, and I could hear French lyrics, and I can't be bothered to find the French lyrics now. But I leaned over the fence, and I said, excuse me? And the boys turned around as though to expect, you know, oh, this mom's going to tell us off. There was a lot of swearing in the music they were listening to, and Fred was with me. And they looked like, yes. And I said, what, is, um, what was the French song you just played? <laughs> it was actually so pathetic. If Bobby could see me, if Bobby and Violet were there, they would have just rolled their eyes back into oblivion. I said, excuse me, excuse me, boys. What was that last song? And he said, pardon? I said, the French song. What was the French song, please? And he said, oh, um, you, I don't know. I, I, I'm playing like a bunch of different music. And he said, vous parlez en français? He spoke French to me, which I wasn't expecting. I thought he just listened to like a variety of international grime. And I said, oui, oui, je parle en français. And he was kind of laughing to himself like, oh, and you listen to French grime? I was like, yes, well, 
non, j'écoute jamais le, le grime français, mais je veux l'écouter parce que j'aime la chanson. C'est qui l'artiste? C'est qui l'artiste? And he was like, oh, and then he kind of thought I was cool, but not in the way that people used to think I was cool. Do you know what I mean? He was still kind of looking at me like, this woman took a French course, so like she's been to Paris for work. And she wants to be cool. I was wearing Fena at the time. Fred's like driving around in a little toy scooter. And he's like, she just heard a few French words and she wants to seem down with the kids. So she leans over to be like, what song is it? Who is the artist? And oh, no, like he doesn't understand that I'm the original white moms. I like grime. I like hip hop. I like rap. And I loved this music. So then he started speaking French like really quickly to me and named off a bunch of artists. And I only heard like, Simon. Blah, blah, blah. Like he was saying a few different ones. But I like, I did like that music. Not just because it was French, but I mean, I like, I liked everything about it. And I'll never know what song he was playing, but I fucking loved it. It had like some English words, but it was mostly French. Just a really talented, just a talented young man he was listening to. I don't know who it was. If you know of any French grime, French hip hop, oh, I don't know how to turn off notifications on this new computer. I have a new computer. And I like to keep the mistakes in the podcast because I feel like that's the most authentic way of delivering my stream of consciousness to you. God, Violet this morning, I was um, in meetings. I'll be in meetings again in a minute. She's texting me some bullshit. She's always texting me from school. And I thought they were taking their phones away. But I think kids can text from their computers and their iPads now. She texted me and I wrote back, listen, I'm on my new computer. I'm in the middle of a BBC interview. I don't know how to turn notifications off. Please don't text me again. And she writes, Okay. And then she writes another text. I won't. And that's two more notifications. And I'm trying to be fucking professional, not on this podcast, but certainly for the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation. If you know of any French grime, French hip hop, please send it my way. Telling everybody everything at gmail.com. I sent Bobby and Jeff earlier in the week, last weekend, in fact, not this past weekend, but the one before, to the Carabo Cup football final at Wembley. I don't know a lot about Carabo, but they were doing a, you know, sports contest at Wembley and it was Manchester United versus Newcastle. And it was difficult to get tickets. Tickets were sold out. Jeff Norcott is my very good friend. He's a great comedian. He has done a lot for me. He does writing jobs sometimes on TV shows that I'm on. Sometimes I text him and I go, Jeff, what am I trying to think of this word? What's a good like slam? I, I'm trying to say like this, but I, I really mean something else. And he can think, he can reach inside my mind and think of the word and he completes the joke for me at no charge. You know, he's like, oh yeah, no problem punching that up for you. No problem helping your slow brain to the finish line. Love Jeff. He in his own right is so funny. He's touring right now. He's got a book out called Where the Left Lost Me. Yes, he's a bit of a right-wing comedian. But don't believe everything that you hear about Jeff. Don't believe the way they wheel him out on question time and make him look, you know, like he's that Toby guy that everyone hates. Jeff, who's that Toby guy that everyone hates? No, um, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. And he and Bobby are friends and they've been looking to do something. So I was like, okay, uh, I'm going to sort tickets for these guys. But I didn't want to ask my agent or ask anyone at Live Nation or get a freebie because I don't like asking for favors. I was like, I'm just going to find some tickets. So I go online. I realize it's sold out. Then I find a third-party reseller called Seats Bay. I've just received an email from Seats Bay being like, please review your experience with us. 
Oh, ne t'inquiète pas, Seats Bay. I will. I go on there. I find amazing tickets. They're in like, well, I don't know. They're just close to the goal. And I assume that that's amazing because they cost more than the tickets that are far away from the goal. And I assume it's very much like the theater where there are preferred seating areas and not preferred seating areas. This was called like gold something row and it was Manchester United side. And I thought, oh, those will be good. And then before purchasing the tickets, I put a couple tickets in my basket. And then I searched online for Seats Bay reviews. I wanted to know, is this a legit company? Because there's a company called Via Gogo that are always selling tickets to my show, third-party retailer. And I've heard people have terrible experiences with Via Gogo. So I don't want to personally disparage that company. But to me, I feel like you should not buy comedy tickets from a third-party uh, retailer at all. Because I've only heard really bad things. But for sports, I know that it happens more often. So all the reviews I find about Seats Bay are pretty good. The only bad reviews are from people who got sick or couldn't go, couldn't use their tickets and they struggled to get a refund. But I kind of feel like it's not Seats Bay's problem if you get sick and you can't go. Like they don't want to sell those tickets again. They sold them to you. If you are really sick or you can't go, then you have an opportunity to list those tickets and sell them again. But I don't know. I'm kind of on Seats Bay's side with that. I hadn't seen any notifications from dissatisfied customers who have said that their seats uh, didn't, or their tickets didn't arrive, or you know they were scammed in any way. I never saw that anywhere, so I thought, all right, this company is legit. So the football tickets are in my basket, but I haven't checked out because I've been busy checking all these reviews. I want to do some independent research on the side before I make this big purchase. While I'm waiting, I've filled out a few things sign up for an account, put my contact details in there, I get a WhatsApp message. And I'm sure they're all using fake names, but I still won't say his name just in case it's a real name, from a customer service representative at Seats Bay. And the WhatsApp message says, hey, I noticed you left some tickets for the Carabao Cup in your basket. Let's, you know, get these tickets for you. Let's get you going to the game. And then I responded like, well, can you explain more to me about, you know, the sports contest and where are these tickets are they good tickets like send me the map again so he sends me the map and then um he's just like oh and you know what if you check out um now i'll give you a little discount from me and then i thought well this is touchy now i'm getting a whatsapp message from lord knows who and i don't think it's safe to make a purchase over whatsapp i've read good reviews about seats bay but i need to make my purchase through the website so I say this to him, I go, it seems a bit dodgy. And he goes, no, no, I'll just give you a code, a discount code. You enter it into the website yourself, it's fine. And I thought, oh, okay, I could use a discount. These are expensive tickets and, you know, fine. He gives me a discount code. I enter it. It is a 1% discount, a 1% discount, 1%, a 1% discount. But like any savings is a saving. I wasn't going to push him on it. So I walk around about thinking, oh, am I going to get these tickets? And then I thought, you know, Jeff and Bobby deserve an amazing day out. They've done so much for me, both of them. And I just, I want them to go in style. I don't want them to be up in the nosebleeds anywhere else. So I complete the purchase and the payment is made straight away. I see, I get a notification from my bank that the money has left my account. That's been paid. And I felt very protected. I think I actually used PayPal and I used Amex through PayPal. So I'm like double protected if anything goes wrong with these tickets because I'm not in the business 
of getting third-party football tickets, you know? So everything looks legit, but I was so super protected. So I thought, fine. And I wait, and I wait. And um, Bobby and Jeff, meanwhile, were like, oh, were you able to sort the tickets? I said, yeah, sort of the tickets. Bobby goes, how did you get them from Isaac? Isaac is my agent's assistant, and he's also an agent in his own right. Very talented. He's over 30 now. I always think of Isaac as being like 18 years old. Anyway, he's a great guy, and he has sorted things for us before. So I said, yeah. Yes, I got them from Isaac. And this was a white lie. And I know that married people are not supposed to lie about finances, but Bobby is super tight, especially when it comes to like himself. He doesn't get annoyed if I spend money on stuff for the kids or for me, but he wouldn't want to know that funds had been spent on him going to football. So I had to lie. I had no choice. And I wanted him to have a fun night out with Jeff. And this, you know, it was more about Jeff. Even then about Bobby, I was like, they, you know, if Bobby's mad at me, I'm doing it for Jeff. If Jeff finds out and he's annoyed with me, I'm doing it for Bobby. These boys need a fun day in great seats. So days go by. I don't get any shipping update about the tickets. I don't get anything, any news about these tickets. And it's nearly the weekend. And this football game is on a Sunday, I believe. So then I go, I log into my account and it says, yeah, order processed. Um, you need to, you'll receive an e-ticket digital download zero to two days before the event. So that means you could receive your tickets on the day of the event. And I guess they do that so that you don't have time to like sell them again. I don't know why they do that. Why not just send the tickets straight away? Save people the stress. So I'm getting stressed, 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 more stressed as the days go by because I have told Bobby and Jeff that I sorted the tickets. They think they're going to a football game. Have I sorted the tickets? Have I fuck? And I thought, oh my gosh, well, all the reviews say these tickets are coming, but I just don't know if they are. And so finally, Bobby could see me looking uncharacteristically perturbed and checking my phone. And he said, where did you get these tickets? I said, hmm. Uh, I got them from Seeds Bay. And he's like, babe, what did you do? Why didn't you come to me with this? A guy could have found us tickets. We don't care where we sit. We don't care. I said, no, no, no. It's going to be sorted. Don't worry. I'll reach out to customer service today because now it's the day of the event and we still don't have the tickets. So I reach out and I say, look, we don't have the tickets. I don't understand. And the girl now who's messaging me, I no longer had the guy who'd been WhatsApping me before. He was leaving me on red and WhatsApp, which was another concern. A young woman, again, probably a fake name, so I won't use it, she sends me an email and she says, well, your order was actually never confirmed. If it had been confirmed, you would have received a confirmation email from Seats Bay. I was like, well, how was I supposed to know that? Number one, as someone who doesn't deal with Seats Bay. Number two, the money left my account. The payment was made. So I considered that confirmation. The order was completed. I don't understand. She goes, no, no, the order, um, you know, the way we work, it wasn't confirmed, so you don't have any tickets. What I can offer you now is tickets in the 500 zone. So if you happen to know about Wembley Stadium, the low zone that I got them was like 100 or 200 zone, and it was close <clears throat> to the pitch right behind the goal. The tickets she were offering me were like the highest, most far away tickets you could get. And she goes, yeah, and um, I'll give you those ones at the same price that you paid for the others. I go, uh, with all due respect, that is insane. And that's what I wrote back in the email. That is insanity. I said, I'm not paying what I paid for the good tickets a week ago, these 500 section that you're offering me. That's just ludicrous. And she goes, well, those are the only tickets we had left. But to her credit, she said, so you can have those or you can have a full refund. <clears throat> she brought up the refund. And I think on game day, when a lot of people might be excited about football, they're not gonna choose the refund. 
I think they're going to go, oh, well, we'll take any tickets this sold-out event. Like, we want to go. She didn't bank on this renegade. I don't give a shit about football. And Bobby had already said, for all the stress of this, Jeff and I can watch it in a pub. Like, we don't care. We don't want you to get scammed. So I said, give me a refund then. I don't want those other tickets. A few minutes tick by. She responds, and she goes, actually, we do have tickets in your original section. And I can get you those. Just confirm you want them. I said, well, what's happening? Either you have the tickets or you don't. A minute ago, you didn't have the tickets. You needed to give me 500 section tickets. Now all of a sudden you have the tickets. What's happening? And she said, oh, well, you know, my supplier, my associate, whatever, whomever was able to find these tickets while you and I were chatting. And now we have these tickets. Do you want them or not? I feel like I would love to believe that this was true but it feels and i don't mean to disparage the company or anything because i don't know for sure but it feels to me like a bait and switch where they take your money and then you get all excited about going to a game if you like sports which i don't and then at the very last minute if you haven't chased it up by now they go no you don't actually have those tickets pay the same for these much worse tickets and then they resell the good tickets to someone else that's what i I feel like they were trying a bait and switch, I have to say. And I'm sorry to accuse them of that, but that's really what it felt like. Um, but they didn't succeed. So I got my original tickets. Those arrived via digital download, as promised, a minute later. And the girl was so nice to me. She was like, yeah, anything else I can do? Make sure you get your tickets. If not, get in touch with me. I'll send them in a different way. I want you to enjoy the game. I hope you have her customer service despite the bait and switch attempt was 10 out of 10. Well, this happens to me. I honestly don't know sometimes whether the customer service person midway through the chat figured out that I'm on television or that I have a big social media following. Sometimes I feel like when someone's all of a sudden very amenable in the UK, no offense, where your customer service is largely garbage, I feel like, ooh, I mean, it says something about a country where customer service is so abysmal that when someone actually comes through for you, you're like, what's wrong here? They must know. They must know that I've been on the Apollo, you know? So in any case, the digital download arrived. Jeff and Bobby, totally in the dark about how much money I spent on the tickets, by the way. Bobby, I think, still would be livid if he knew. But I, like, Bobby, I had to do it. So the tickets come. I send them to Bobby. Bobby and Jeff are off. They have a great day. They go to the game. Bobby did remark that it was rough. I mean, he's still a little bit Canadian. We have family sporting events. There's nothing like being in the mix at a Manchester United Newcastle game. He was like, ah, messaging me, I can't believe people have brought their children here. He said, I would never bring my wife or child to such an event. Apparently, it's just nuts, like men being lads. And when they arrived at their amazing seats, two seats, there were six people in the seats like sort of crowding all around and very politely Bobby and Jeff were like oh I think uh, those are our seats and the guy just said no no everyone's just wherever what everyone's just wherever it was just a free-for-all of lads like crying and shouting and I think surely the guys who were in their seats couldn't have gotten to that section unless they had tickets for that section I don't know but Bobby just said it was nuts and you're not allowed to take alcohol into the stadium which is good but it meant that you'd have to queue during the breaks outside and like neck a pint. And obviously people drink before. It's just, he said it was intense. Um, he used some language that I won't even use on this podcast, but I don't, I don't think he was impressed with the hooliganism. 
But I mean, he's from Canada. He's just like polite and sweet and he didn't know, but they had a good time anyway. My overall experience with Seeds Bay uh, is good, I guess. I got the tickets that I paid for. I was given very good customer service. There was one glitch and a whole lot of stress getting to that point. But at the end of the day, as long as you've got your wits about yourself and you don't allow yourself to be like hustled into the wrong seats on the day of the concert or the game or whatever, good, a good deal, I think. Good, good service, good company. Seats Bay, that's my review. Apologies, we have had to stop this podcast, start this podcast, move it all around. We're now in the kitchen. I'm joined by my fave, Fena. You all know her very well. When I post about Fena and I say that she's my favorite baby, I do get some comments from people who are like, how could you say that when you have two other children? Well, Fred is on Instagram very seldomly, so he's not seeing the posts. And um, also, Violet knows that truthfully, she is my favorite. And I mean that because anyone who has an only child or had a big gap between your kids, or even if you had a small gap, it's like the firstborn just gets this time with you that nobody else does. Your firstborn teaches you how to be a parent. Violet and I especially have such a unique relationship because we grew up together in a way. I know that I was 25 when she was born, and that's technically an adult, too old to date certain famous men. But for me, I just, I don't know, a lot happened in my life over that decade and we got to experience it together and it was a wonderful adventure. And for that, my relationship with Violet, I can already tell, is, um, you know, I have a great relationship with the babies, but I didn't have to share her. I don't know. I just, we're, we have like a special closeness. And now Violet is 13 and I sound like an old man when I say it, but I worry about young people of this younger generation. I just don't think they've got the chutzpah that it takes to get on in in life the way that we did. And maybe I'm being naive by saying that, maybe it's not an age thing at all, but I decided to hire a cleaner. We don't have a cleaner. I needed a one-off clean because I've been working so much this week. My dad and his wife, who I guess is my stepmom, I always forget what that's called. I call her my mother-in-law all the time. I'm like, what is she? Stepmom, it's very simple. My dad and Cher Bear are coming and uh, Fiona stayed the night a few nights this week because we were working together so much and I just thought, okay, we need to change the sheets, have a deep clean, like hire a cleaner to come here for a few hours on Thursday, Friday, whatever. So I reach out to this company. It's like an online company where you can book cleaners through an app or through their website. And this is what I need out of life. I don't have time to be speaking to a person And I know that we all come from different countries. I am not from this country. But when there's also a language barrier involved and we're on the telephone, I just find that to be very difficult. There is a cleaning company that I've used. I hate to keep like saying the names of cleaning companies, but I will say it, Fantastic Services. I've used them before. I do like them, but I don't like the phone chat. You make a booking online. Well, you haven't made the booking online because now what's going to happen is they're going to ring you up to confirm the booking and that phone call is going to take 10 minutes and they're going to ask you all the same questions that you already answered on the phone. So I hate that. I don't have time for that. And then when you pay, 
you don't even tell them your card number. You have to key it into your phone. The trouble with this is I'm always holding someone and I'm looking back at my photo album where I have a screenshot of my card. I don't think you're supposed to do that for like security reasons, but I never have my actual bank card on me. I just have a photo of what the numbers are. So I'm going back and forth from the photo of my bank card, the numbers I've not memorized, back to the phone and it always times out. I'll put in, I can remember like eight digits at a time because I'm not a fucking robot. I come back to look at the other eight and it's like, no, something's gone wrong, try again. And then I just wanna smash my phone into the Thames. So I hate booking, I hate their booking system. I don't hate fantastic services, but fantastic services, I hate your booking system. I literally hate it, it boils my blood. And this is a very first world problem, but I do. So I didn't use them. I used another company that I was able to find that everything can be done online, perfect. Oh, Fenna couldn't believe it. So I book a young lady to come to the house to do a one-off clean. Our house is difficult to find for some because it doesn't have a house number. And so I have learned how to give very detailed directions. If I wasn't giving these detailed directions, I wouldn't be getting deliveries of groceries. I wouldn't be getting post. I wouldn't be getting all the different courier services that I receive successfully. So I know that people can find my house with my directions. My directions are very clear and there's no reason not to be able to follow these instructions. I'm at work during the time of the booking. I get back to my phone when I finish filming a scene and I see that there's a missed call from an unknown number and a text from this number that says, I can't find your house, I left. I think, what do you mean you left? I booked this young woman for five hours. She tried to find my house for 10 minutes, gave up and left. So I text her back right away. I say, oh, listen, I'll walk you through how to find the house. What do you mean you've left? And she goes, no, don't worry about it. I'm already on the bus. I waited in the cold for 10 minutes and I gave up. And I, like, I know, that when I go to work every day, I'm being looked after, I'm being remunerated handsomely, I am not a cleaner, I don't have the same problems as a young woman who is new to this country, who's cleaning at a low wage. But to offset those issues, I always tip large amounts in cash, and I'm very accommodating, and I do know what it's like to be young and lost in this country, because guess what? When I moved here, sure, I spoke the language, and I did have privilege that way, but I didn't have a smartphone. I had to just find streets. And some streets are called Lavender Gardens, Lavender Close, Lavender Road, Lavender Boulevard, and they're like all together near Clapham. I, I mean, I would have to just find these places in heels. And sure, I would get stuck in the rain and lost and I would cry, but I would never give up. I would go and I would take all the buses that I needed to get and I would walk around until I figured it the fuck out. So for this girl to give up after 10 minutes, Oh, and then I go into the website and she tried to say that no one was home. She tried to say, oh, I went to the house and no one was home. So I said to her, well, hang on a minute. We have cameras. I know that you didn't ring the doorbell. Someone is home and I need you to get off the bus, go back the five minutes, and I'm gonna help you find my house. She's like, no. I said, I feel badly. If you want this job, we'll tip you in cash. I understand what it's like to get lost but I can coach you through this experience. And she was like, no. And so I said, well, good luck to you in the future then. I don't know what to do with these fucking kids anymore. I just don't. I could see by her profile picture that she was very young. And the way I see it, 
I've booked this young woman for five hours. So like, why not spend, I don't know, one of those hours at maximum, I think minimum trying to find the house. And then you work for four hours and you still get paid the five probably. I don't know, 10 minutes. 10 minutes is ridiculous to me. Is that just me? Am I like a boomer now? Is that what's happened? Because I spoke to my friend and her cleaner did the exact same thing on the exact same day. Do I deserve it for booking a cleaner in the first place? A lot of you would be sitting there thinking, Catherine, why don't you clean your own damn house? Well, I would love to. I would actually love to clean my own house, and I do. I do what I can with one arm, but I'm always holding Fena, and I refuse to put her down. I hold Fena so often and with such bad posture that I can no longer turn my neck effectively either way. Ow, ow. But it won't stop me. It will not stop me holding this baby. That was disappointing about the young people. When we were young, there was a boy in Canada whom was talked about, was that right? Whom, who, we talked about this boy in Canada. Every September, it was a huge deal to participate in the Terry Fox run. It was huge in Ontario, at least, where I am from. Terry Fox was a young man who unfortunately was diagnosed with some sort of cancer, I think some sort of bone cancer maybe, and then he decided to run across Canada, which is difficult for me. You know how I feel about runners, but I got on board. He decided to run across Canada to raise money for a cancer charity. He, by this point, had one leg amputated from the cancer, but it didn't stop him. And he was an amputee, really inspirational, good family values, like a wholesome looking kid. I think he was nine, well, he was like 20. Yeah, he was definitely 20. And he was running and all the schools would do their own Terry Fox run. In your own community, you would raise money and it was we would talk about it probably half of the year, building up to September, and then we would do the Terry Fox run. In memory, sadly, yeah, of Terry Fox, because he died during the run, he couldn't complete it. He had to stop um, because the cancer had unfortunately spread and then he was hospitalized and died when he was 22 years old. And it's a very sad story. But my sister Carrie texted the group the other day and she said, I thought Terry Fox would be a bigger feature in our adult lives. We just stopped talking about Terry Fox. And Joanne was like, yeah, that's right. All we spoke about growing up, Terry Fox, Terry Fox. It was like, eat, sleep, Terry Fox in Canada. That's it. It was a huge thing. And I don't know if Canadian kids still do the Terry Fox run. Um, my sister Joanne is a teacher and she said that September now has been overshadowed by, you know, other huge Canadian uh, problems. Uh, I, I mean, I don't want to bring down the tone of the podcast, but Canada has not treated Indigenous people correctly. And, you know, now September is reserved for this Indigenous tragedy to do with schools. And I think, I don't know if that's what bumped Terry Fox from the roster or if people just stopped, but it was a real 80s, 90s thing. Um, and it's gone now. And, and obviously I live in England and in England they don't care or they don't know about Terry Fox at all. So I spoke to my sisters about this for ages. It was like, yeah, Terry Fox, this and that, fine. I hang up the phone and I leave with Bobby for the Canadian embassy in London because we are celebrating the launch of Just for Laughs. A man walks up to me out of the blue and he says, hi, I am the head of the Terry Fox Run UK Foundation. And I said, what the fuck did you just say to me? He said, Terry Fox UK. I pulled this man to one side. I immediately took a selfie with him, sent it to Carrie. 
And I said, what? I have not heard the name Terry Fox for 20 years plus. My sister and I talk about Terry Fox this afternoon. I walk into this bitch and here you are telling me that you're the head of making Terry Fox a thing in the UK. And he's like, yeah, it's just not a big enough fixture in our adult lives. I was like, that's exactly what my sister said. And he wants to promote the family values and continue the legacy of Terry Fox. I don't think this guy is related to Terry Fox. I don't really understand what the motivation is to bring it back or to bring it to the UK, no less. I mean, I just found it mind boggling, but also a very interesting study in being able to manifest and move energy around. And you know, what is happening in the universe? Like, did the universe know that I was gonna bump into this Terry Fox man? So like through that mystical energy, sent a message to the people close to me, i.e. my sister, to be like, Terry Fox, Terry Fox, are we living life backwards? Like, what is going on? It was absolutely insane. It was creepy insane. Because it is such a niche reference. It is not a name that I have heard forever. And this guy just walks right up to me. So what am I supposed to do with this information? He sent me a message, actually. I didn't check it. I've been just so busy this week. He said, like, reserve September 17th in the calendar or something. Something to that effect. Terry Fox Run UK. What was his message? The Terry Fox Run UK for the Institute of Cancer Research. Yeah, the 17th of September. Terry Fox ran 143 consecutive marathons across Canada as an amputee. I mean, that is amazing. And this charity seems to be doing well because their offices are in Piccadilly, first floor. That's a tight, that's tight real estate. What is the message? Catherine, it's Neil. So nice to meet you. September 17th at Battersea Park. It is a family-friendly event. Bring the kids. You can do anything from walk 2.5K to run 10K. There's a raffle at the end of the run with lots of great prizes. And the Four Seasons caters it? What the fuck? Guys, you know how I feel about the Four Seasons. Terry Was Terry Fox a billionaire? Who is this man? Okay, it's getting too weird. If I am available, if you are available, September 17th, Battersea Park in London, we are going to the Terry Fox run. Do I condone running at all? No, I wouldn't run even if someone was chasing me. But I'm gonna turn up and I can walk two and a half K, of course I can, with the kids, and I can enjoy a catered brunch from the Four Seasons. <laughs> Wild, right? So be careful how you use energy in your own life. Really be careful. And this is why I do not speak about my enemies. I refuse to even utter the name of my enemies because I don't want to bring their energy into the room. Let's take a break now. And when we return, I will look at the emails, see what's been bothering you this week, see what you think, see what advice you need to get you through the next week. If you would like to write me an email, the address is telling everybody everything at gmail.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. 
add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com If you read or work for the Daily Mail, then you will know that, well, it's not just the Daily Mail. Several tabloids picked up the story that I said on my podcast. I think Leonardo DiCaprio is a gross loser for establishing a pattern of dating teenagers. And I mean, I really don't understand why this is news, but I've loved some of the headlines this week, including but not limited to Catherine Ryan vows to never stop calling Leonardo DiCaprio gross. And Catherine Ryan does not think it's controversial to say that Leonardo DiCaprio is disgusting for dating teens. Like, yes, great. I'm happy to be associated with that headline. So many of you wrote in saying that you had dated older men when you were 17, 18, or 19 years. I have had zero messages from boys saying that they have dated older men or women. And my problem was never with the age gap in the first place. It is specifically about dating teenagers. So you will know from listening to my podcast, my mom is married to someone much younger and someone keeps telling me like, look at Madonna, look at Cher, Cher's 70 and her boyfriend's 37. All right, well, a 37-year-old man is definitely an adult, has had some life experiences. I know the world looks at a 37-year-old man like he's a teenager, but I mean, that's a man. But 17, 18, come on. Here is the spiciest of the letters. Catherine, I was groomed by an older man who died while we were dating. I mean, that's the dream. Catherine, good morning from the U.S. I listened to you very artfully articulate why a young woman should not date an old man. I wish, oh, how I wish that I'd had you to advise me when I was 17. Fresh from a breakup with my age-appropriate boyfriend, a friend of mine was dating an older man. She was 19 and he was 26. They told me they had a friend they thought that I would like, but he too was older. I didn't want to seem uncool, so I said I was okay with him being older, even though I really wasn't. He was 33. That man had no business being interested in a 17-year-old girl. I was young, stupid, and heartbroken, so I was just thinking about how nice it was to have someone interested in me after my breakup. My oldest brother was the same age, so I used that tidbit to justify it to myself. Stupidly, I dated this man for seven months. I lost my virginity to him. I probably would have dated him longer, but he died while we were together. He did too much cocaine and had a heart attack on the toilet. He was at a friend's house doing some painting while she was at work, so no one found him for hours. He actually died on my dad's birthday. Oh my God. So much was messed up about that situation. It wasn't until therapy and years later that I was able to process how much was wrong in that relationship. For years, any time anyone wouldn't answer my call, I spiraled and immediately assumed the person might be dead. I also had a really hard time processing that I was a victim in that situation too. It feels weird to say because I thought I loved him. I probably did. For me, it was real. I have no idea what he was really thinking. Also, our relationship was technically legal, but for all other intents and purposes, it was gross. I wish I could go back and shake some sense into teenage me. I'm 37 now. 
happily married to my 40-year-old husband. We have a two-year-old and a one-year-old. We have older kids too from past relationships. I'm happy, but it took a lot of work and repair to handle that trauma. I'm not asking for your advice. Just wanted to share my story. Oh my God. Yeah, you don't need my advice. You're basically me and Bobby Kay, even down to the previous relationships and the kids. Oh, I think, yeah, that is a lot to process. And this is what I mean about the older men. Like a 33-year-old man who's interested in a 17-year-old young woman is also the kind of guy who's going to paint a friend's house, take cocaine in the daytime, and die on the toilet. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not like, oh, he was closing a huge deal at his hedge fund place. Oh, he was building homes for the homeless in like Botswana. Oh, he was volunteering at the local soup kitchen and had a heart attack. No, he was taking cocaine at noon and died like Elvis Presley and was not found for hours. That is the kind of man who dates a 17-year-old Leo Leonardo DiCaprio, legally, I have to say, has not dated any 17-year-olds that we know of. Yeah, I dated, well, he wasn't my boyfriend, but I was forced to start seeing the prom security guard after Bobby broke up with me. I was 17 and he was 31, and I think he's dead now as well. Someone wrote me a letter, and I won't read the letter out loud (laughs) because it has many details about, I mean, yeah, let me find it. I'll read it. I don't care. Goddamn, Joanne deleted it, but it was to the effect of this girl was from Sarnia. She remembered me and Bobby from high school, and she said she worked at the local pharmacy. And the bouncer that I was dating had many prescriptions for like many amphetamines and opiates. That's all. Joanne has pretty much summed up a lot of the emails that she didn't include, and she wrote, People are miffed at you being interested in losing weight, but I might draw their attention to one of your earliest podcasts, wherein you are not fat shaming anyone by having a comfortable idea of where you want to be to feel good in your own skin and your own clothes. Thanks, Joanne. Also, some people did not love BK saying women were like flavors of ice cream. In the same breath, people love BK and are cheering him on to get the garden in good shape. What a sum up. First of all, I think it's insane that we talk about like this about body, that about body, and be um, transparent and be honest with everyone. And then I say that I'm bigger than I'm usually comfortable being. And people are like, you're not allowed to say that. You have a following and you're not allowed to say. It's like, I will always say the truth. And I also underline it by going, I know that's bad and I know it doesn't matter. And I talk about how If you go to Turkey and get liposuction, you're risking your life. And is it really worth it when you have a lovely family at home? I talk about all the feelings, but I would be lying to you if I was like, and I hope I keep getting fatter and fatter. And like, you have to be okay with that. If I have to be okay with what everybody wants to be, then you have to be okay with that. But thanks for your emails. God, Joanne's funny in the sum up. Okay, next. Catherine, my ex and I have been divorced for seven years. We divorced when he cheated while I was pregnant, and he left me when we had a baby and a four-year-old for a younger woman in his office. Wow. I was almost more offended by the cliche of the whole thing than him actually leaving. It took me a good while to get back on my feet, juggling work and small children, plus my mom was very unwell around that time. I do see now that I'm far better off without him, or any man to be honest, and we're all thriving. 
Funnily enough, his new relationship didn't last, but he's now with someone else who has a daughter herself and she seems lovely. I'm enjoying my small windows of freedom when he has our kids and just dating men I like sometimes. I'm writing because there are times when I struggle a bit with how little it's acceptable for him to do versus what I do for our kids. I know this issue is bigger than just him and me. It's about what society expects of women. Lately, I've been choosing secondary schools for our oldest child, and he said he couldn't come look at any of them because of work. I also work, and that he was sure it would all be fine either way. That was his entire contribution to the decision. He won't engage in any emotional or decision-making discussions about the children at all. When our younger child was struggling to settle into school, he wouldn't discuss having a joint approach to things like screen time and routines or have chats about her feelings. He sees the kids every other weekend and collects them from school one day a week, and I'm very grateful for that, but he basically won't engage with anything beyond having the kids when he says he will. He supports the kids financially and sees them regularly. So in essence, I feel I can't complain, especially when there are single moms who are so much worse off. I am privileged. I have work, a beautiful home, and I'm able to care of them, care for them myself most of the time as my work is flexible. So overall, we're so lucky. But I'm just so worn out sometimes by the emotional element of parenting alone and his offhand attitude when I ask for help or input is triggering. Bobby's in the other room going, uh-huh. I guess, I guess, oh, oh, when he has no input, it's triggering of how he was when we were married. I don't feel like co-parenting really describes what we do. It's more like having a regular babysitter. Please tell me what you think and whether I need to just let go and get over it or if I have a point. Men just seem to be able to do the bare minimum. And yes, I am angry about it. I mean, it's, you're both right. He's doing the bare minimum and you have a right to be angry. However, you do need to let it go and realize that you're not just a little bit privileged. You are the best type of divorce situation. You really are. Because if this guy, oh, like, I know that you want him to be involved for your kids, but you can't control what he's going to do or how much he wants to have input. So if you're happy and you love being with your kids all the time and they feel you know, it doesn't sound like they're hurt by his lack of, you know, um, decision making. You get to make all the decisions. You get to make all the decisions on your own. And you wouldn't want him being like, I would like to have them every other day. Or God forbid, you wouldn't want him being like, I would like to have them all the time. And you see them every other weekend. Like I have girlfriends. Um, I mean, I'm sure this happens with men too, but I just am not friends with any men. I have girlfriends whose exes, are like vengefully too involved and not because they care, but because they want to fuck up their ex's life. So they like insist on coming to all parent teacher interviews and they insist on doing this and doing that and having the kids as much as they can and like really meddling. So count your blessings. Like this guy is not meddling or trying to control you or push you around. It is annoying. Sure. That you don't, you know, that you are doing more than he is and they're both of your children, but don't you want to be doing it? I would just rather do it all myself. Bobby, why were you hmming over there? What do you think? People care. Well, you're saying mm-hmm, like you're like an Oprah audience member. Oh, that was, he was just doing it for a laugh. He doesn't have an actual opinion. You see? You see how blessed I am? I get to make all the decisions about what goes on the podcast. 
I think it's great. I'm sorry that you got cheated on and I know it's probably bringing up feelings from your marriage, but yeah, you got to just let him be in the sidelines and move on with your life and be glad that he's not more involved. And that might be a controversial opinion, but it is my true opinion. Catherine, my boyfriend, is he overly jealous or justified? How do you manage jealousy in a relationship? Oh, Bobby would like to make some ice now. Go on. I know, but I'm, I'm on a tight schedule. People like your input. Go on. Uh, it's SMR, ASMR. Bobby making a delicious gin and tonic. What are you making? Okay. So how do you manage jealousy in a relationship? I've heard you say you're friends with an ex and Bobby seems like a chill guy, but did he ever make a big deal out of it or ask you to set any boundaries? <laughs> we just saw my ex the other day. Bobby and Fred and Fenna and I had a quick lunch with my ex. He brought us some cake. It was great. Bobby, do you care about that at all? Nope. Doesn't give a shit. Okay, here's the sitch. I'm with my boyfriend now for 18 months. We are both 28. He is the bomb. I love him and I see a future together. Unfortunately, he struggles with jealousy. He hates that I'm close friends with guys who I've kissed before many years ago and drunkenly and have since had a 10-year strong friendship. He tells me they're bad friends, that I idolize them for no reason, untrue. He says that he's entitled to feel uncomfortable about them, despite his discomfort causing me to feel guilty and anxious. I have minimal contact with these guys, just due to life in general, I'm too busy. However, recently, one of the friends was arranging a party to celebrate still being alive after a period of alcoholism, followed by a near-death road traffic accident. My boyfriend so made <laughs> Bobby. Bobby thinks those things might have been connected, which they might have been. It's very sad. And we're not laughing at the it's situation. It's, it, it's not exciting to, well, it's but great that he's alive. Road traffic, like alcohol incident, it's not exciting? No, it's not exciting, Bobby. It's bad. It's bad. My boyfriend made me feel guilty about wanting to go to this, withdrew affection, and didn't fully talk to me until it became clear that we wouldn't be able to go to it anyway due to the timing. He also hates if I'm chatty with any guy on a work night out or even at friends' weddings. He calls it flirting and says that I've had too much to drink. Oh, I think that might have a name. But, I mean, it's just being an asshole. But I think there's a specific name for that type of behavior. You used to get it all the time. You used to get it all the time? When you were... Oh, hang on. Bobby has just come on the podcast as a guest. I'd have a good time at a party and I couldn't relax because if I'm talking to one person, I'm flirting. If I'm talking to, it doesn't matter sex. I was always like constantly accused of like flirting with someone else and I'm just having a good time. We end up getting divorced and I married you. <laughs> we, we first met and then we were at like, like a university, like we're like early twenties and I'm staring off in the distance looking at nothing and just waiting to get into the bar, the pathetic bar that we were trying to go to. And I get accosted. You're looking at that girl. I'm like, what? I was accused of staring at this girl that didn't even exist. Or she existed. I was not looking at her. I didn't have her in my field of vision. But point being like, some people are so insecure and jealous of nothing that they can't even perform a normal relationship I suppose. But it didn't end well, as you know. How old is he? 28. Yeah, it's not going to go... Like, he's not going to change. Unless, like, 
I think it was like an acid retreat or something. I don't know. I mean, oof, it just doesn't seem like a match. Like you need to be comfortable with letting your partner like do what they want to do and being who they are. And if he's getting all like anxious or uptight about you being yourself at a party where you're not like literally doing anything wrong other than having a better time than him. Then yeah, it's not a match. You got to ditch this man. And it doesn't mean he's a bad person. You can read about attachment styles. Uh, I think we all fall into one of three categories largely. This is like the theory of it anyway. You're either avoidant or anxious or secure. And I have been avoidant in the past. That was my real MO. Like I'll just be like, I don't need anything from anyone. Fuck you. And that's not right. And you're usually attached to um, anxious people when you're avoidant. And the anxious person will be like, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you want to be around me? Do you want to? And that's annoying, especially annoying for an avoidant person. So I don't know why they attract. But you only have a, a successful relationship, they say, when a secure attachment style person matches with another secure attachment style person. You might have successful relationships with the other ones, but it's harder, I guess. But you can read a book about it. I think the book is called Attached. You might like that. But anyway, you can't be with this jealous man and still live your life. And you're 28 and he's never going to change. So it's done. Unless he can find a suitable acid retreat with availability, according to BK. Oh, no. Please let this be good news. Please let this be good news. Catherine, go to Turkey for cheap surgery. Listen to this. Since you've been mentioning stories about people having plastic surgery in Turkey, I thought I'd share this crazy story with you. I am a nurse. I used to work in an emergency department. I've since left, but I happened to bump into a colleague last week who still works there. And she told me this... Oh, Fena? Fena, I'm just working. You have to be quiet. You have to be nice, girl. What's the matter, Fen? Oh, you're fine. So she told me this story about a woman she supposedly looked after. The woman apparently presented with abdominal pain after returning home that day from Turkey. She'd had a gastric sleeve procedure. A CT scan was ordered, and as the images appeared on the screen, there were gasps of shock from the doctors treating her, who then had to rush out and explain to her that her pain was actually caused by the fact that unbeknownst to her, she had also undergone a nephrectomy. In other words, one of her kidneys had been removed without her knowledge. I must admit, I'm slightly skeptical, skeptical, skeptical myself. I had some work experience in a renal unit earlier in my career, so I know that organ transplant surgery is highly specialized, requires specific matches, and pretty tight time frames in most cases. So the whole thing feels a bit far-fetched, but I wouldn't risk it personally. Hell no. Well, damn. Thank you for sharing that with me. I don't think that you can have your kidney removed and just... I mean, yeah, they, I guess they stitch you up and you'll be fine. It would be the same sort of recovery maybe as any other major abdominal surgery, but how do they have information about your kidney to put it in someone else? Because I know someone who is having kidney surgery soon, and like, you, you can't just put any kidney in any person. So it does seem far-fetched, but I will heed the warning. Thank you for your patience, and thank you for listening to another episode of Telling Everybody Everything. If you would like to write me an email, it's tellingeverybodyeverything at gmail.com. As you saw this week, it doesn't always have to be a question. You don't always have to need advice. Just tell me about someone getting their kidneys stolen or dying on the toilet. And that's the kind of stuff that we want to hear about. See you next time. 
mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com